Hey, everybody. This is Ryan. Welcome back. Chad and I have an awesome podcast up for you guys today. Um, on our episode today, we have a guest who is a big advocate for mental health awareness and mental health amongst first responders, in particularly law enforcement officers. He's a friend of both Chad and I. We've known him for a while and um, really excited to have him on. And coming up on the show, we might actually have a name of the show to announce. Glad to have you and enjoy. Hey, how's it going, everybody? We got Chad and Ryan coming back at you. Chad, how you been, man? I know we got uh, some uh, got some big news to announce coming up for the show, brother. We do. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm doing fantastic, man. You know, getting ready for the holidays here at the uh, the Chartrand household, and uh, lots of excitement in the air. I'm sure Santa's almost coming, so it's always an exciting time. Yeah, how about your household? Oh yeah. Kids are bouncing off the walls. I got a almost five-year-old. He's my youngest. So he's counting down the day. He's got the elf on the shelf and the, the countdown calendar. So yeah, it's a lot of fun there. Oh yeah. Fun, fun. So you want to uh, make the announcement, let everyone know the big news we got coming up. Absolutely. Yeah. We, uh, after much conversation and, and input from others, we've come up with the name breaking badge. It's a play on words from breaking bad, the great television show. And uh, it's a double entendre as also breaking badge as we're here to help Cops not only stay in the profession, but ones that choose to leave transition out. So I think it's a great title. And uh, I know we we enjoyed when we heard that. Yeah, I'm excited. It was, you know, I know we kicked around a lot of different ideas. And when I saw that one, I know it was boom, that's it. And even the people I mentioned it to, they said that is an awesome title. So I'm excited for that. So our guest today, he served for four years in the United States Army, followed that up serving uh, with the municipal police departments for 23 years as various positions in law enforcement from being a patrolman to detective in various leadership positions. He's currently the host of a top ranked criminal justice podcast called CJ Evolution. He's an author of the book Evolved. On top of that, he's a speaker. He's a mentor and is very influential for many of us in this field. And just personally, I just want to say that and I was so excited when I first found our guest. And he was really the first person that I connected with that was an example of a police officer who was having success outside and afterwards in the profession. And he really was the first realization I had that I was not alone in feeling the way that I did and, and what that I wanted, what I wanted to do going forward. So uh, without further ado, I'll bring it on. Patrick Fitzgibbons. Welcome to the show, Pat. Hey, welcome you guys. First of all, I love the name. Breaking Badge. That's a that's an awesome name. And I love you both. Uh, Chad's a good friend of mine. So are you, Ryan. And I appreciate being here, brothers. Awesome, man. Like I said, I've been excited to have you on. I know, um, you know, I know you have a, a big part of your stories really evolved over the last year that you've been yeah. sharing and getting the word out there to bring to people. Um, but before we actually talk about that, you know, I just wanted, did, did I get everything correct? I want to make sure that I didn't shy you. Oh, you, you, know, you got it. Everything's fine, brother. Everything's fine. So 
without going too far back, I guess we'll start. And, you know, within your career, you obviously had a very successful career in law enforcement and in the law enforcement profession. And one, the people we try to connect with on the show are people who are in law enforcement and they're trying to make that decision where, am I going to do something different? Am I going to make some changes and go forward with law enforcement or am I going to move out? So if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to hear a little bit about what ultimately led you to the decision when you were in your career and, have, and having success. What made you decide that, okay, I'm going to make this pivot and I'm going to leave law enforcement? Great question, Ryan. You know, I, you know, I had a successful career, ups and downs, like you both know, uh, in law enforcement, but I really wanted to do other things. It really what it, what it uh, came down to. I, you know, we had my show, like you mentioned, thank you for that. And I, I wanted to start growing the show more. Uh, I wanted to start getting out there and speaking more. And plus, quite honestly, I was burned out, you know, 23 years uh, in law enforcement. Uh, when I retired, I was, you know, a commander. So I was, I was pretty burned out uh, in law enforcement. Uh, I love law enforcement, but 23 years is a long time. So I decided to, to exit. And uh, it was a good decision. I don't regret it. I mean, I miss, I always tell people, they ask me, do you miss law enforcement? I say, I miss some of the clowns. I don't miss the circus. But, uh, you know, I, I, I respect very much the brave men and women who serve us every day. So it's, a, it's more tough now than I, when I was in. So, Yeah, no, that, that's definitely, definitely true. Now, so you talked about the burnout and, you know, that is, you can't deny that. And you know, that's something for me. I was feeling that very, I was feeling it at the 10 year mark. I mean, mm-hmm. not, a, not alone to 23. And, you know, there's guys out here where I'm from in Massachusetts, a lot of guys do 32 plus yeah. where they're still working. So do you think there's anything, whether it could have been in your control or out of your control that would have just been a change in the profession, but would have been able to reduce that burnout maybe make it a little more bearable and would have led you to continue in law enforcement longer. Great question, Ryan. I mean, you know, law enforcement, you both know, and your listeners know, I mean, it's a fast paced environment. It's constantly go, 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 go. But I think, you know, sometimes command staff and I was part of command staff, but I had bosses. I think uh, from my perspective in, in the two agencies I was in, you know, command staff can do things. I'm talking about very senior leadership chief, however your organization structured can do things to, to kind of mitigate the stress uh, with, you know, the people on the front line, our brave men and women, and, you know, not being nitpicky, not being micromanaging. That was a problem in, in one of my departments, things like that. Uh, we're all under a tremendous amount of pressure. And I think things like that could help mitigate, you know, uh, officer burnout. Now, I think it's, it's twofold. And you both know this. I mean, you, you have to do things for yourself. I mean, I always tell people, when I was uh, still a police officer, I always told officers, I said, don't rely on the agency to, you know, take care of you. you now you got You got to take care of yourself. So the agency can do so much, but it really falls down to the individual. In my opinion, the agency can do things to mitigate stress, mitigate, you know, whatever, to make it less stressful. But then it really falls back on the individual to, to make their lives bearable, to take care of themselves mentally, physically, body wise. And I, and I failed in that for, you know, a long time, especially during this year, but uh, I got back on track, but oh, again, ultimately, I think it falls on the individual, you know, to, I mean, I always tell, you know, I always used to tell cops, okay, I want to go, they want to go to training, 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 and they're waiting for somebody to say, you can go to training. Well, seek out the training, you know, seek out the stuff and, and do it from your end. So yeah, that's what I would, that's what I would say. 
Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. And I know one thing, you know, you, you, you touched on some, some issues there. And one of the things that you're a huge advocate for now is officer mental health and Absolutely. mental wellness. And I know that hit pretty close to home for you over the last year. And, you know, one thing I, I always honor and respect about you is, is that you're very transparent and vulnerable with even what you go through. And I know you do it to help others. And like I mentioned earlier, to make people realize that they're not alone, they're not alone in these struggles. So, you know, what, would you mind talking about some of the things that happened to you over the year and what you've, what you've done? Absolutely. And Chad and, and you uh, a little bit, Ryan, were there with me. I mean, I mean, Chad was texting me every day. Love that guy. Love you. But uh, yeah, it really started uh, last year about this time in uh, December. My son tried to commit suicide. Uh, he was home for the holidays. He was in the Air Force. Uh, we found him on the kitchen floor. He was unconscious. He was in and out. Uh, well, he wasn't unconscious, but he was in and out of consciousness. And that really, that, uh, when we found out that he was, you know, he had tried to commit suicide, that uh, hit me very hard, obviously, as a parent and the rest of the family members. And I remember seeing my son on the kitchen floor, Ryan, <clears throat> gasping for air and his eyes, you know, glassy and, and all those images from, you know, law enforcement, all the death I've seen, like your listeners probably have, and you, you two have came flooding back. Now, my wife uh, at the time, uh, she wanted me to get help. She said, you know, you need some help. You know, you're, you, you've been suffering for not just with this, but you know, a little bit before I want you to get help. And I was like, nah, I'm not, not going to get help. Uh, and then I slowly started to isolate, uh, started to uh, drink a little bit more. Uh, and then I went to Arizona in April, beginning of April, came back. My wife wanted a divorce and other stuff in between there. And I'm giving you the abbreviated version. So that sunk me further down uh, into depression to a point where, you know, I was starting to have daily suicidal ideations where I was, you know, say I kept telling myself, I'm going to kill myself. You know, there's my brother has a shed in his backyard. I'll just go over there and do it. Uh, I was in bed one night, you know, had a little nine millimeter by my side. I was going to raise it up rose it up a little bit. I uh, never pulled the trigger. You know, it's like those two voices you have in your head. One of them says you're a piece of shit. And the other one says, you know, you got some, you got a lot to live for. Uh, so I put the gun down um, and grabbed my cell phone, started reaching out to people. Uh, my family, my sister, my brother said, you know, Hey, I'm going to hurt myself. I want to kill myself. Um, my sister raced over. We cried. Uh, she said, I'm going to take you to the hospital. I uh, went to the hospital. It was there for about six hours. Um, and I check, and I voluntarily, I mean, I know how the game works. I voluntarily, uh, check myself in cause I knew I could leave at any point. Um, so I, I just didn't like the hospital. I didn't like the environment. It's always when you're on the opposite end of those M ones or mental health holds, I don't know what you guys call them. Um, you know, it's, you know, it's just shocking obviously. And that's what it's designed to, to do to some extent. So I left, my sister took me back to my brother's. I had a safety plan, plan in place. Now, in the interim, my brother took all my guns, and I have a shitload of guns, which is a good thing. He took all those. But I knew, Ryan, and Chad, you know this. I mean, I have a network just like you do, uh, both of you, and I knew that there was a place down in Florida. I couldn't remember the name. Uh, but I knew, I remember hearing of this program for first responders uh, down in Florida, and uh, I made some calls. Next day, I started reaching out to, to my network was talking to people like Doug Monda, you know, Brock Bevel, uh, people like that, of course, Chad. And, you know, I started reaching out. 
before I knew it, I, within 48 hours, I was down uh, at an amazing treatment facility called Shatterproof FHE for first responders. And uh, there I got the treatment I needed, brother. Uh, it was a combination of traditional counseling, uh, psychotherapy, medication, as well as holistic therapy. Uh, and that really helped me. So I was there for, um, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for not only people in my life, like you two, but you know, the treatment. I was there for a little over a month, came back, and my treatment continues. You know, my treatment doesn't stop there. I mean, that my therapy gave me the foundation. You know, that's just the foundation. And so I still am in therapy, you know, see a psychiatrist, see a counselor once a week. And I'm just blessed, brother. I mean, I'm blessed to, to be here. So coming back full circle, you know, my big mission now is to, is just to help as many first responders as I can, whether it's going and giving a speech, whether it's doing a show with you two, um, if we can help one person out there that's suffering, you know, I'm, we're successful. You know, the more people we have your show, my show, other shows that can we, that not only bring awareness to the problems that first responders have, and we all, we both know your listeners know, or all three of us know that it's huge. Too many of our first responders are dying every day uh, from self-inflicted, from other things, alcoholism. And we just need to do a better job at helping the brave men and women who, who serve us every day. So I want to put more action behind it than I ha you know, have been in, in previous years with just my show. And that's my mission. When you look at the police, the police profession now, <clears throat> mm -hmm. Although this is not rooted in any sort of facts, but you know, what's your opinion on uh, how prevalent mental health, poor mental health, is in the profession? I mean, is it every agency is dealing with it? Only some? Like, what's what's your take on? Uh, I think what's like. Yeah, I think it's a great question, Chad. I mean, I think I, I don't think every agency deals with it. I think every officer will deal with it at some point in their in their life. I think some agencies are, are, are better than others when it comes to handling the problem with with mental health and mental wellness. I came from an agency. My last agency was, was really good. They were very proactive, you know, with, with their mental health treatment. Uh, but I think some agencies fall, fall short. You guys have both been around long enough uh, to know that, that, you know, I think the majority of first responders are, are suffering in some way, shape or form, whether it's from, you know, stress, burnout, um, you know, depression, substance abuse. Uh, I think a vast majority of them are. Now, I don't have statistical information in front of me, but in the current climate we live in, brother, where, you know, there's a lot of anti-police sentiment out there, I think the majority of Americans support our brave men and women. Uh, but I think there's, you know, officers see that on a daily basis. You know, we got, they got, they got departments now, and I'm sure you both have seen them, they're offering 20, 30, 40, $50,000 sign-on bonuses because they can't get people to get in. And I think that has to weigh on uh, every officer to some degree, you know, with, you know, people don't care about us. Uh, but again, the flip side of that is I think the majority of Americans do care about uh, the brave men and women who serve and protect us every day. They serve with honor. They're not in it for money. You <laughs> know that, but uh, yeah, I think it's pretty prevalent brother. So, Pat, I just I just want to say that, you know, and I'm sure I know Chad echoes this is, you know, I am so grateful that you are here with us today. Thank you. And are going to continue. And, uh, you know, we all know that and I'm a firm believer that things happen for you, not to you. Yeah. And um, your experience is going to help so many people.
going yeah. forward. I have no doubt of it. And I appreciate um, it, brother. just for those of our listeners that uh, that don't know, don't know all of the story. I do know that your son is, he's doing very well now. I think yeah. I just saw it was his I, 21st birthday. Right? Yeah. I should have, should have uh, said he's doing great. You know, it was, it was uh, really amazing. You know, when I was in the army and Chad, you know, you, you, you were in the army a while ago and it was a different army or military when I was in and probably Chad was in, um, you know, where, if you had problems like this, I mean, we were always section eight is what they called it. I don't know if they call it that anymore, but you know, you would probably get discharged. Now, the thing I was really afraid of is the air force was going, and my son even told me when he was in the hospital, I was talking to him. He said, dad, you know, if my chain of command calls, please don't tell him that I tried to kill myself. And I said, you know, at first I, I mean, for a while, I was like, I'm not doing that. And then he convinced me. And then his chain of command called really nice, uh, Colonel, a uh, really nice lady. She called me up and, and said, we know what's going on and don't worry. We're not going to discharge your son. I mean, he's an asset. He's got a top secret clearance. He's a good, uh, good airman, senior airman, and we're going to help him. And that's what they did. You know, they helped him and they, they amazing treatment that he got. Uh, and again, I was, you know, a little leery, but uh, I'm not saying all branches are like that. I'm just saying that the air force uh, nothing but uh, applause for them with the the treatment for my son, and he's he's doing he's doing great, brother. Thank you, thank you for asking, Pat. That you know these alpha environments, these yeah. these military law enforcement, a lot of strides have been made. I think we have to celebrate that. But like oh, yeah. you said, when yeah. I was in the Army Infantry, I mean, you just didn't bring these things up. You just no. didn't bring them up. Uh, you were viewed as weak, or uh, yeah. you know, you didn't want to compromise your operation or your mission. And law enforcement has made a lot of strides. I mean, what would you recommend if you're an executive, you're, you're viewing this video, you're watching this right now, you're an executive out there, you're aware enough to know that mental health's an issue, you know, what recommendation would you make to them to, to implement in their agencies? Well, first and foremost, I'd go back to the academies. I think we, I think we need to do much more when it comes to providing the foundation for cadets, you know, people going through the academies. I think here in Colorado, we get two or three hours of mental health. And I understand there's post requirements and you got to stuff a bunch of stuff in there. I, I get it, but we really need to, I'm not saying, you know, it's going to solve everything, but if we can get, uh, you know, the cadets, the new people, uh, a good foundation, uh, and, you know, implement that in the agencies, you know, follow up with that foundation periodically, maybe twice a year or a quarter or whatever, then I think that's going to help help mitigate and it's not going to solve all the problems but i think it would help mitigate some of the problems that we're seeing and of course i think it's a culture thing chad you both know that i mean the culture of the organization neil gang that we all three know great individual a good friend of mine out in california you know he's leading from the top down so it's really incumbent upon the senior leadership of an organization to set that culture where officers first responders out on the street they feel i don't think they'll ever feel comfortable but they you know, it's that environment where if they have a problem, they can come forward. Doesn't mean they're going to talk, but at least that's an option. And again, going back to what I said, I, th I think some departments are better than others with that. Uh, and so there's different things that I think we can be doing better from a command staff uh, perspective, you know, to, to really, really provide that foundation. So officers, we can kind of mitigate, you know, that that struggle. And, and, you know, a lot of agencies here in Colorado, the bigger agencies, you know, they'll have sleep centers. I don't know if you guys have those where they, they put beds in the police department. So if an officer is stressed, needs a nap to re re-energize, you know, manpower permitting, you know, they can go take a nap. I mean, it's, it's stuff like that, little stuff like that, that can help mitigate, you know, problems down the road. 
say that about the sleep centers because, yeah. you know, I, I don't know about every agency in the Northeast here in the Philadelphia area, but I know many, I mean, I know them all in the County I worked in. There is no beds in there. Uh, there's no push for mental health. There's one agency and it's a, a very progressive affluent County, but there's one agency that does yearly uh, peer assessments with mental health, yeah. with, with other first responders that are trained in mental health advocacy. And I'm just blown away that, you know, in this area where I, where I worked at, it's not more of a, a concerted effort. I mean, where I worked, yeah, you, if you had mental health issues, really nobody wanted to hear it. Uh, it was a lot of lip service, but then you, you talk about Chief Gang and other chiefs, Chief Harvey, that are really implementing these oh, mental yeah. health units for both the community and their their officers. It's amazing that the dichotomy and and those are the examples we need to start pushing our agencies to. Yeah, and I, and I hate to sound cynical, but a lot of times it comes down to okay, money. We're going to divert funds. Okay, we're going to have to pay for. But do you want a healthy organization? Do you want healthy men and women out there serving and protecting the communities? It's going to make them better. Uh, or do you want to? you know, have all these lawsuits going on within agencies where officers aren't getting enough uh, sleep and they're burned out. You saw that, uh, I don't know if you both saw that uh, young officer in Phoenix that got on the radio and just retired over the radio uh, just because he was, he was forced to do, uh, he was working, I think a 16 hour shift and his Lieutenant got on the, you know, got him on the radio or whatever and said, you know, you're going to, we're going to work four extra. And he said, I, I haven't slept. And he's like, I don't care. You know, it's stuff like that. I understand the manpower issue. I mean, I, I know uh, we struggled with that. You know, we were on 12 hours for a long time. We went to tens uh, and, and I get it, but the, you know, just, we've got to put more thought into it and be more creative with uh, trying to mitigate stress and anxiety that uh, our officers are dealing with. Yeah. And, and I feel like just being aware, if you're a leader and you're aware, just you're, you're paying attention, you're, you're a leader and you're, you're doing this job for the right reasons, just paying attention to your officers in recognizing signs of overwork or burnout or stress. And it's okay to tell them, Hey, I'm going to take the next two, three hours. Why don't you go home? That's true leadership to me. And that, exactly. that's what we need. That's what the profession needs more. You know, it doesn't matter what rank, what title, whether you're a chief or a, a rookie officer, if you recognize somebody else in the agency struggling, Hey, be a good brother and sister and tell them, Hey, I'll take it from here. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, everybody's talking about awareness and I love the term awareness. That's great. But okay. What about the action behind the awareness? So if, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a supervisor and I see you, Chad, and you're, 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 you're down, you need, you're tired, you know, exactly. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm aware of it now. Maybe I talk to you, we have a conversation. Okay. What am I as a leader going to do to kind of, to help you out? And like I said, it's, we're all stretched, you know, we're all stretched thin. I get that. We're all, you know, working long hours, but we, we really have to do more uh, for our men and women. So do you think just, just the, having the start of that culture change of actually caring about the well-being and actually helping people when they start to feel down would just, just that little bit would start to almost have a trickle-down effect in which it, it wouldn't even get, you'd be stopping a lot of the stress and the pain before it got to the point where it was overwhelming to people who were actually you know, incapacitated. Yeah. I mean, I think that that would be a big portion of it. Now there's other things that, that go into that, in my opinion, but I think, you know, the culture, uh, you both know, it's still pretty prevalent. You know, we just don't talk about stuff. We don't, we don't open up. You know, I know I wasn't always like that, not, not too long ago, or I wouldn't, wouldn't talk. So if we can create a culture where, and a lot of times, you know, officers want to go outside their agency. You know, I, I get that. They don't want somebody, you know, some peer, no one, even if they are, through EAP or whatever, 
they don't want them knowing because loose lips sink ships. You know, you're worried about people talking and stuff. I get that. But at least providing officers with, you know, options to go outside of the agency, you know, if, if they want to. Some agencies do, some agencies don't. But I agree, you know, it's, it's the culture, I think, is a big component uh, of, of what we're talking about here. And if we can kind of change the culture, and it can be done because some agencies are doing it. Neil Gang, Harvey, those guys, those, and those are just two chiefs. Uh, so it can be done. So for an agency out there or, or a listener who is saying, well, how do we implement that in my agency? Reach out to Neil Gang. He's one of the best guys in the world. Re- reach out to Chief Harvey uh, through social media. These guys are, are there to help you help your agency. So there's plenty of resources out there. You don't have to reinvent the wheel, you know, just go to an agency that's already doing it and, and maybe copy it. Not exactly, but, you know, mold it to your own agency. And hopefully that would, you know, help change the culture of our organization. Absolutely. So there's an officer listening, Pat, he's listening to this and he or she is saying, you know what, I'm down. I don't know if I can keep doing this. I don't see a way out. I don't know what to do. Maybe or maybe not, they're, they're contemplating ending their lives. What would your message be for them? Reach out. You, you, you have to reach out. And I was guilty of not doing that for a long time. Um, you know, when I first got down into the treatment, brother, um, and Chad knows this, I mean, I was, I was pretty reserved, you know, the first week there. Um, and the, the, <laughs> the groups in Shatterproof, they're all first responders, fire, EMS, law enforcement, military. Um, they don't let you get away. So you're in, I'm in there with a group of 30 men and women. They're all telling their story and they're not forcing you. The counselor's not forcing you to whoever's running a group. They're not forcing you to do anything. But, you know, when I started opening up, you know, and started opening up, it became a lot easier. It was therapeutic. It's therapeutic talking right now. But for the person out there that's suffering right now, or God forbid, they're thinking about ending their life, please reach out. You know, there, there's resources out there. We live in an amazing time right now where we have so many resources and you got to vet those resources, make sure they're good resources, but reach out to trusted friends and family. I say trusted all the time because you just don't want to reach out to anybody. You know, you want to reach out to people that you can trust. And there's a quote out there. It's one of my favorite quotes, you know, by Martin Luther King Jr. You don't have to see the whole staircase. You just got to take that first step. And I promise, well, I'm not going to promise, but I'm willing to bet that once you take that first step, it's going to be, you're going to start feeling better. And it's a cumulative effect where you start feeling, feeling better and better and better and better the more you talk about it. And uh, that saved my life, brother. I mean, so the first thing I would recommend is you have to reach out. I mean, I came to the realization, do I want to end up dead? Do I want to kill myself? Or I do, do I want to reach out? I got, a, I got two beautiful children, adult children. I got so many friends that I love and care for. Um, I'm going to reach out, you know, and, and nobody's going to judge you. Maybe some people, but th- then those are the people you don't want to talk to. You know, you, you want to reach out to those trusted family and friends and not uh, willing to bet that your life is slow. It's not going to happen overnight, but slowly get better and better and better and better. I'm still evolving, man. I mean, I'm still getting better. Uh, I still have, uh, I've lump- implemented my routines again, you know, that I've, discarded uh, a couple months back and uh, I'm, I'm feeling great, man. Don't touch alcohol anymore. Awesome. You know, and uh, I'm feeling really good. 
And I think, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned reach out and even, you know, I, I know when I was there, I didn't feel comfortable going to anyone within yeah. my own agency. No, yeah. And I, w- I will say, I think you guys are, both agree that if you really are sitting there and you don't know what to do, or where to go, I think there's three people right here that you can all reach to. And we're going to point you Absolutely. in the right direction and get you some, some resources and, um, you know, it's, you don't have to worry about loose lips here either. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, you know, Ryan, that's a great point. I mean, you know, I'm still, I, I, I will always be in contact with this group of about 25 first responders. I really connected with, uh, down in Chatterproof. We text every day, literally about 20, 25 of us on this text thread where when one is feeling bad, the other 23, 24, try to try to pump them up. And so that's, you know, that's extremely important that uh, you reach out to a network. If you don't have a network, like I said, you, I'm here for you. I know Chad and Ryan are. Um, so, you know, just please re- reach out. And, you know, it took me a while to get to that point, but uh, I'm glad I did. You know, Pat, you say something too, and it made me think of that, that I know so many first responders are feeling this way. There's some misnomers, some yeah. things that we think are true, but they're not. One is, I'm alone. I'm the only one going through what I'm going through. That's absolutely not true. Number two is I'm broken. So I was great. I was on top of the world. Now something's wrong with me. I can't go back to being the way it was. Instead of broken, you're just going through an obstacle or road bump. But people don't want to admit their problems because I think some of the misnomers are there's something I'm damaged goods. And it's not true. All that stuff is just incorrect. No, no, you're right. And and, and the first thing I want people to realize is you're never going to be that person you were before. You know, but you can become better. You know, you don't want to go back to the person you were before. In most cases, you don't, you, you don't want to do that. You know, so it's, it's a constant evolu- evolution. I mean, the whole purpose is part, part of the purpose in life is to, to get better, right? Become better humans. Uh, but yeah, you're right. You know, people worry about what other people are, think- are thinking. The one thing I learned in, in treatment, Chad, I, I think I told you this before, but I'll say it again. And Ryan, too, is, is that I learned to be very, very selfish with my treatment, with my mental health, my well-being. And I'm not saying that in a narcissistic, egotistical uh, kind of way. I'm just saying I come first. Sure, I love my kids and my family, would do anything for them. But if I don't take care of myself, who's going to who's going to take care of me? You know, I mean, who's going to take care of me? And you made another good point. Look, my problems are not unique. Because millions of other people, first responders, everybody, population at large are, are have gone or are going through the same thing I went through. So and I'm, not, I'm not saying you're whoever's listening that, you know, your problems aren't important. Of course they're important, but there are problems that other people have gone through and overcame and you can do the same thing. It's just a matter of, again, taking that first step and, and reaching out. And, and again, it's a constant improvement. You know, it's a constant moving the ball forward an inch at a time. You know, uh, you know, life is not uh, a sprint, you know, it's a marathon. And so, again, I would encourage the listener, uh, if you are suffering, if you're going through, I don't, you know, it doesn't have to be suicidal ideation or thoughts or anything like that. If you're stressed out, if you had a severe anxiety, Chad, you know, I suffered with that. I, I had, I couldn't even get out of the car when my sister drove me to the airport. I was that, and I never had that before. Reach out to people. You know, reach out to people. I'm not BSing the listener. If you want to reach out to me, I will answer. You're not alone. Your problems are not unique. Not in a, I'm not saying in a mean way, but there is 
there is hope out there. You know, you can, you know, live your life happy. Are you going to be happy all the time and rainbow rose and unicorns? Probably not. That's really not realistic. But all I have to do is just take that first step. And there's a pretty good chance that you're going to see improvement. I love looking forward. And I know this is we're coming up on the new year time where we're setting goals and projects and plans for 2022. So I definitely want to hear what's up, what's on the horizon for Pat? What do we, what do we got coming up? I'm sure you got some good things planned. Well, I mentioned, uh, you know, I'm on a new mission now. Uh, You know, I want to help first responders more in a a direct way. So I I think I told, I know I showed Chad this and Ryan, maybe, you know, I, I'm trying to get down to shatterproof to, to work for them. We're in kind of some negotiations right now. And I just really want to be more on the, the front lines. I mean, some, something's calling me to, to that kind of direction in my life right now. Of course, I got my show. I got uh, some speaking gigs coming up, which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, and who, who knows? Maybe, maybe another book, brother. But uh, I'm happy. Um, I'm excited. Uh, but the one thing, again, I'm trying to do, yeah, it's good to project and kind of have goals and stuff like that. But I, I just tr- really try to focus on living in the moment, yeah. you know, a lot right now instead of worrying about the future worrying about this worrying about that i i really try to make it a point every day to wake up do my routine and just live in the moment man because i was really guilty of that living you know down the road across the corner but i got a lot of good things coming up man i'm, I'm pretty excited uh about uh my direction right now and i wasn't just five six months ago I think that's huge. You know, one thing I love to say is, is that when we are more excited and looking forward to the future than we are stuck in our past, that's when we make the shift. Yeah, exactly. That's when we, that's when we live in that moment, enjoy every moment. That's when we're excited to get up and face the day every day because we realize how great the future is in front of us. Yeah. Otherwise, Cheryl Crow, I think, has a song, you know, a good song where she talks about some of the lyrics or it's not about what you want it's about what you have and i'm paraphrasing you know and enjoying what you have so uh again i think that's really important that's awesome. so where can everyone connect with you pat what are the best places to reach you to watch you to find you well brother cjevolution.com is my website and i have all my uh episodes up there um i have uh you know some articles a blog all my socials linked up and for your listener, I haven't told anybody this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a new design to the website uh, at the beginning of the year. I'm working with a, a web designer, so that's going to be uh, changing a little bit. Awesome. I mean, nothing's going to change with the show, but you know, I'm, I'll have a new look uh, to the website. And yeah, cjevolution.com. I want to thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to come on and chat with us. And I know, and like you mentioned earlier, and I always say the same thing, if we could reach just one person and help just one person get over a struggle that they're having or a tough time they're going through, it's worth every second of what we did. Absolutely. Hey, I love you both, man. You guys are doing amazing work. Um, please, you know, uh, do keep doing what you're doing for, for the public and our brave men and women who serve. And it's, it was an honor to be on the show, brother. Oh, thank you very much, Pat. Thank you, brother. Right. Appreciate it. Take care. See you, buddy. Bye-bye.